All right. Well, now I hit the red tag. Yes. Now I hit the damn record button. Okay. Now you can do it again. All right. Go ahead. Go. This is Pelik Top from the School of Creative High Growth. You're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer. Let's go. Perfect. Wow. And you really brought your A game on that Barry White voice. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was a client of mine. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. In my previous life. In a previous life. The walrus of love. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Carrington Smith, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Doing great today. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. Do you like that? As soon as I start talking DJ voice, I get a little bit deeper. You like that? Uh, Carrington. I love it. <laughs> it just happens. I don't know why. So you are Carrington Smith. You are Carrington-Smith.com. So talk a little bit about what you're excited about over there today. Yeah. Well, so obviously one of the things I'm excited about is the book that I published, which is called Blooming, Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I'm really excited about today is one of the stories in the book Um we created this thing called the gratitude challenge. It stemmed from a relationship with a friend who was kind of going through a rough time Okay, and it has morphed into something else entirely. I literally did a presentation on it last night and we actually created a Facebook group for people for the gratitude challenge. So, wow. Yeah. That sounds that, fun. Yeah. Actually, um, what's special about it is we create our own prompts. So similar to your background, We'll ask people things like, if you're on a deserted island, Ooh, nice. right? What things would you miss the most? What mm. people would you miss the most? And then suddenly you know what you're grateful for, right? Because right. you just recognize that you would miss them. Yeah. So it's yeah, a great yeah. way to, for people to kind of come into realization for what they're actually grateful for and get into that state of gratitude. And so we have currently 30 different prompts, but we're hoping to get to 365. That's the goal. So yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not more? Absolutely. Right. You know, make that your stretch goal and then keep stretching. That's what I say. Gratitude is awesome. Yes. Well, good for you. That all sounds awesome. And congratulations on the book. And the Gratitude Challenge Project, that sounds amazing. So good yes. for you. So, okay, this is Vroom Vroom Veer, and you are like tailor-made guest for this show. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, so let's talk about uh, you growing up. So you grew up on the East Coast. So yes. talk a little bit about growing up in the East Coast. Yeah, well, so I was born into this family where my great, great grandfather founded international paper company. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So so that was one side of the family. The other side of the family, um, my great, great grandfather on the other side had a seat on the New York stock exchange. Okay. Yeah. So, and and he founded a bank and whatnot. So 
they Yikes. lived this really crazy life. Of, I bet. <laughs> of sort of the great Gatsby kind of. Okay. Um, that type of lifestyle. And my grandmother was reared in that and had that life experience. So the predominant trait in our family when you got to my generation was resentment <laughs> and bitterness <laughs> Okay, because the money was mostly gone, but the expectations oh, wow. remain. Okay. Interesting. Right, right. You're, so you're kind of trying to have to live up to past glories. Absolutely. So but the money's gone. Okay. The money's gone. My family is absolutely obsessed with maintaining social status, wow. remaining member of all the same country clubs, right, and right, right, going to all the right schools and all of that. And you know, it it just wasn't happening for most of the family. Some of the family did better, but my okay. particular family branch branch. <laughs> my fa- my mother married my father because I mean she literally went to work at a medical school when she graduated from college because she so was this was this all on your mother's side or your dad uh your father's side this was on your mother's side this the- is really on my mother's side mostly okay yeah. gotcha yeah. okay um although the money didn't pass on my father's side either but anyway okay uh, but it was really my mother's side where you really had that resentment and whatnot yes. right right so- and the and the chasing of the of the brass ring so to speak oh yeah, yeah absolutely so- yeah it's elevated at that level especially when you have the past glory and the name the family name right yeah yeah I mean honestly right. I I worry about like Bill Gates kids totally I mean how, how can you ever live up to that right? Right. So I mean, at least they have the money to go with it. But yeah. it's the generations after these 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 icons that are mm. business titans that really in some ways they they get kind of screwed up because totally. it's hard hard to live up to that. So that was definitely a predominant characteristic in my family. Yikes. And I was well, we're since we're talking about moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. So my okay. my mom looked for a doctor she found my father who unfortunately was the very typical doctor who had the god complex and loved to spend money so (laughs) okay all right but she was just kind of like checking like uh like okay if if i can't be rich then i need to find a lawyer doctor or some other like professional person she was looking for someone who would afford her the same societal status and also the income to support that. And so she decided she was going to marry a doctor. And unfortunately she chose the wrong one. Right. And so something happened. I really don't know exactly what. Okay. um, Some shenanigans. Is that what you're saying? Some shenanigans happened. (laughs) While you're on the East coast, there was, there was shenanigans with the doctor. Yes. And we suddenly, you know, are moved from, from Easton, Maryland, which is outside of Baltimore, to mm. Everett, Washington, which is outside of Seattle. You can't get any further. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And culturally, you're going from like Thurston Howell the Third, sort of like yes, at Ascots and Escargo. Yes. yes. <laughs> to to, to in, an industrial seaside town. So we're talking paper mills and canneries. Right. You, you know, I mean, it's yeah. not at all anything like That's more, my society. Yes. It's blue color. It's right. Yes. Okay. And so my mom stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, she I insisted on wearing the clothes she would wear on the East coast and, and you know, yeah, and that's not going to make a lot no. of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, we, we stood out, our family stood out like a sore thumb because right. my parents were still obsessed with trying to maintain the status, but yeah. yet in this other area. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So that was our, my first veer in life. Right. I bet. I'm, I and mean, you're I'm just s- kind of a victim of this whole scenario at this point. I, I mean, it's easy to feel that way. I mean, but you literally are a victim at that point because all those things like other kids and parents looking at your mom and dad, they, they, you know, then they look, you know, their nose is already down <laughs> Right. When they're looking yeah. at you, right? And you yeah. had nothing to do with it, really. Well, it's funny. The East Coast people are looking at us funny because we have just departed suddenly and obviously something's up. Right, right. And the West Coast people are looking at us funny because we Because you look in. like you're snooty and... Yeah. 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 I get so, it. Um, so, <laughs> wow. yeah. And then growing up, because of my father and his uh, God complex and his sort of deficits with his personality. Let's call it that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, He, he, he would bump into, he would bump into a lot of things and cause problems. And, um, and he really, you know, we suffered a lot of emotional, physical, and particularly spiritual abuse because when he got to the West coast, he also decided to become a fundamentalist Christian and and, you know, we bounced from church to church and... And he's still a doctor. Well, he's still a doctor, but okay. he's retired at this point. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, okay. now he's No, retired. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back, no, then, back then, he, he no, was no, still no, a doctor. Was, yes. Oh, yes. And so he would run into problems because, I mean, you know, at one point he was actually, um, he, let's say, he, he left again under different circumstances after he was accused of laying his hands on someone ostensibly to pray for them. Oh, so wow. I, again, it's one of those things as a child, I never really understood what happened, but suddenly he, he was changing jobs. So, okay. um, yeah. So we have these incidents that are never f- fully explained or understood as a child. Right. And, but, but what, uh, what is understood is the total upheaval and terror that I lived in as a child constantly waiting for my father to explode wow. at any given moment. Yikes. And so I okay. tell stories in the book about some pretty horrific things that happen. Right. And, and so physical yeah. abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual yeah. abuse, just all of it, all of it. And honestly, of one of the wow. stories that, and this is really not anything. Well, it happened to me and that I was present and experienced it. But one of the worst stories in the book, I talk about what he did to our dog and wow. he, he got mad at the dog because um, well, I sort of blame myself a little bit. Ter- I mean, I shouldn't, but I had a Barbie doll that the dog had chewed up. Okay. And so I was crying and complaining about the fact that my Barbie was missing an arm because the dog had chewed it up. Mm. I mean, right. it was equally my fault because I left the Barbie out where the dog could chew it. Right. But, but you're a kid. You know. But I'm a kid. I'm like <laughs> six or seven years old. Right. right? Okay. So, so yeah. but my father got so angry at the dog that he drug the dog outside and we had just finished building a deck. And so there were all these two by fours sitting in a wood pile. Oh my goodness. And he picked up a two by four and he beat the dog until the two by four broke in half. Wow. And we're all sitting there looking through a window, screaming at him to stop. And he didn't stop until the two by four broke in half. I mean, that's just, yeah. That's just, that's just a sample that's just a sample. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. That's traumatic. So that was my childhood, you know. Um, one of, yes. And that's just one of many. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other big characteristics of my childhood was just because of their religious beliefs, how they treated each of us children so differently. 
So I had an older brother and an older sister, and I was the baby. And because my father believed that the firstborn male was the most blessed and important child, Mm. my brother was given the most favor. And then my sister, because she was the second in line, um, was also given favor. And I was given basically leftovers and hand-me-downs. Okay. And I'm not exaggerating that. So just to give you an example, so my grandmother, my mother, and my sister all went to this very elite private boarding school called Miss Porter School in Farmington, Connecticut. So we're like the Rockefellers, the DuPonts, you know, people like that. Wow. Yes. Very East Coasty. Yes. Yes. And so they thought it was important that my sister go so that she could carry on the family line. Right. But when it came to me, I was not offered that opportunity. So while my sister was at Miss Porter's Mm. and my brother was at Stanford, um, I was asked to transfer to a public high school. And so she, so here she is with the private jet crowd going to debutante balls. Wow. And I am in a vacant lot with a keg with these industrial solo cups, red solo (laughs) cup, a keg and a vacant lot. I mean, so uh, I can relate to B, not a, (laughs) yeah. So we are, we are 18 months apart in age and how different were our life experiences. Right. And so, and then she went to the university of Southern California, which we affectionately call the, you know, university for spoiled children. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and, I was asked, not asked, that's putting it nicely. I was told that I was going to be going to college in state. So I chose Washington State University because I wanted to get as far away from my family as possible. And it was on the other side of the state. Right. Okay. And so here I am at Wazoo, which is, again, it's in the Palouse, you know, cornfields and, <laughs> and, you know, it's, and my, my sister's at the University for Spoiled Children. Yeah you know, living the high life. I mean, it, it's this contrast, but. So, and then I, I kind of feel like now, like as you say it to me and in my mind now, it sounds like I'd rather be in the, at the solo cup party with the keg, but you resented it, right? Well, I did at that time. <laughs> of course, of course yeah, you did. I was yeah. like, what the heck? How right. can I get, like, right. why well, am I getting, yeah, my you're brother's feeling at like Stanford. The, the redheaded step at, kid kind yeah, of feeling. Yeah, yes. my sister's at USC and here right. I am. Out in the Palouse. Right. And, <laughs> but, <laughs> you're, but getting, the, you're getting the short stick is the feeling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I well, get and it. then, yeah. you know, this is, this is one of my first years. And that is um, after, what well, makes my second, really. But you, um, it's, it's one of many. Yes. One of many. <laughs> so we'll call it I, a big one. A big one. So when I was at Washington State, I was raped. And I'm sorry. That, wow. Yeah. And that I detail that um, it's in the book. I think it's so important for people to understand that event in my life. But one of the things that happened because of that is that I chose to transfer to the University of Texas at Austin. Just to get out of there. Just to get the hell out. Yeah. Right. Good. So I, That's good. I transferred to another public college, public university, public Ivy. Um, <laughs> right. Yes. And that honestly, Austin is my home. That's where I live now. Right, I fell in right. love with Austin. I, yeah. That was the best gift that sure. came out of that negative experience. And right. I have to tell you that I am the happiest of the three children. And I, I feel like I'm the most well-rounded. Sure. And honestly, I look back and I feel incredibly blessed that I had the life experiences that I did. 
Mm. And I've come to a place where I don't resent it anymore. It just no. is what it is. It's what happened. Yeah. It's what I do with what happened that makes the difference. Totally. You know, and I've heard these stories before. Have you ever heard of the story? Maybe you have. <laughs> I'm going to give an example. Um, I think the name the name of the family was Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they're like, uh, you know, generations of wealth there, right? So they had a whole generation of kids that just had so much money and they never did anything with it other than just buy shit, build shit. Just they, they were competing against each or amongst each other to see who could spend the most money. Yeah. On stupid stuff. <laughs> and they were, the, the end of the story was they were all really sad, right? Yeah. They, you know, money doesn't make you happy. That's, I, I think, the, uh, the, the, uh, the lesson, I guess, if there's a lesson there, it, it can. It doesn't. No. Yeah. It, it's not like you don't need money. You do need money. But like more money beyond the basics is, is not going to make you happy. Well, and there's some kind of mental construct where if you have money and you don't right. feel that you deserve it because you're not doing anything mm. that gives you purpose or meaning. Right. Those are and it's been given are, to you, right? And you, right. Have, you didn't work for it. You don't know its value. Yeah. You have no gratitude those, for, you know, a yeah. blessing. Right. Those are the people that are really sad. You hear that again and again. Right. Right. Yeah. I know there's, um, <clears throat> have you ever heard of Chris Saka? Yes. Okay. So he, uh, for those who don't know, he's like a, a very wealthy angel investor. So, and his parents, I think, were probably pretty well off too, but that his parents made him work every summer as a laborer in a different labor situation every summer, you know? So it's like one year you're going to work construction <laughs> and one year you're going to, you know, work at a farm, you know, just so they would appreciate labor, right? And oh, yeah. what people have to do for money, you know? Yes. And that can make really good ki kids, e even if you have money. That's a, it's a really good idea. <laughs> no, it's so it's really true. I mean, because of where I fell in the pecking order. I mean, there were there were times that I was working three jobs. Wow. I mean, I was right. not given any of this. You know. Sure. I, I yes. was constantly in college. You know, I always had a job. I mean, so that's something where. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm somebody that having, I, I, I wasn't even elevated enough to be a waitress. I had to be a bus person. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how, yeah. So I've yeah, been carrying these it. buckets of dirty dishes up and down. I mean, it worked in this one restaurant where it was a two-story restaurant up and downstairs, up and downstairs. Right. Anyway, Ouch. so I get it. I yeah. get it. And I'm a great tipper because of it. Because yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up, uh, I, I couldn't imagine like a more different childhood for me. My, my mom never really had a job. She had a job. She worked in a paper mill for a little while, <laughs> but not very long. She mostly uh, was a babysitter. And then later on, she was uh, a house cleaner, right? And then my dad worked in a factory, the same factory for all the way until he retired. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But it also meant that, like, I kind of, like, you know, learned that, you know, usually getting uh, it, where I grew up, most people have some sort of labor job, you know, yeah. like, and you can still do that, believe it or not, in Upper Peninsula, Michigan and Northeast Wisconsin, you can still, 
uh, have a wife and kids and, and work a labor job. And it works. You know, the cost of living and, you know, everything else, you can still do that in America, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Not many places. But it, I, I also, like, knew that that wasn't really for me, but I did appreciate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up being the computer geek of the family, and I had to leave pretty young. <laughs> So let's get into some of these stories about like maybe get into the weeds a little bit deeper. Sure. sure. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to start, but like talk about what what it was like um, some of the the abuse stories, because I know I saw on your website you had like a broken nose. Let's talk about the broken nose. How did that happen? Well, that actually happened much later in life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. um, Oh, right. We're not done yet. We only got to college. Yeah, no. Right. The shit continues. Yes, the shit continues. Yes, right, right. um, Yeah, so actually what happened was it's um, I was really, really badly burned by a laser. What? Uh, Wait a minute. How how do you get really, really badly burned by a laser? So um, I went in for something that's called an IPL photofacial. Any women out there might know what this is. And it's, it's something where they, they remove like the brown spots and, and oh, okay. minimizes wrinkles and all okay. that. So I went in for a beauty treatment. Gotcha. And I, you know, very unwisely went to a med spa as opposed to going to like a board certified dermatologist. Okay. And mm. the person who used this laser on me was not properly trained. And there were many, many things that went wrong. The laser wasn't calibrated correctly. There's really so many different things. But wow. anyway, I ended up with second and third degree burns over my face, neck, decollete, and shoulders. Oh, my God. And it, um, because of that, I developed um, a, a secondary um, bacterial infection. But also, oh. I ended up developing because they put me on antibiotics for that infection and steroids also, um, I ended up developing a uh, secondary yeast infection on my skin. And so, and the scar tissue was so bad that my nose twisted. You say it's broken. It's actually twisted from scar tissue from the burns. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's horrific. That's what you're seeing in those photos. Yeah. Horrible. That is horrific. So I had, this is one of those, you know, I'm cruising along in my career thinking things are going okay. And then out of nowhere, this happens. You know, you don't expect something. You go in for beauty treatment and all of a sudden your life takes a left turn. Wow. And I, I mean, I was so stressed from all of it. My hair started to fall out. I mean, it was basically, I lost a year of my life. The, the stuff that they had to do to get me back to looking to normal, the treatment is worse than the, than the disease Always. kind of thing. Always. And yes. so, I yeah. mean, people look at me now, they're like, they can't believe that I went through that. But that's right. why I put the pictures in there. You can see what happened. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, um, Horrific. But yeah, that, it literally looked like your nose was punched. Yeah. I can't believe it. Twisted. Oh, it my twisted. God. That's got to hurt worse. Tissue. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, laughing now, but I'm sorry that happened to you. No, but it, you know, honestly, I I say that that is actually one of the best things that ever happened to me. Okay, it served as a, like a wake up call. Well, it made me realize I had spent my entire life, you know, worried about other things and trying to make other people happy. Mm, people pleasing, yes. 
people pleasing. And when that happened, it really took me down to nothing. I mean, mm. it killed my career. Stripped it everything away. Stripped huh? everything away. And okay. I just came to the realization about what really, really mattered. Mm. And it was just really some core relationships. I mean, I, I sold my house. I downsized. Good for I, you. you know, yeah. I really got to a place of where I understood what really, really mattered. And mm. when you get to that place, suddenly everything else falls away. And all your decisions are so much easier because you're not yeah. cons- you're not worried about uh, making stupid shit. Happy. <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of like these core relationships are really what matter to me, and mm. so I'm going to prioritize those. And and you know, it it just shifted my perspective on life. And so, yeah, I do say that's one of the best things that ever happened to me. And yeah, and horrible that's- as it painful as it was, yeah. it w- ends up it changed me for the better. So really big silver lining that yeah yeah. Right. And that's my, that is my story. And that is the point of the book. Let's kind of go back to that sure. subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blooming, finding gifts in the shit of life. And the totally. reason I gave the book that title is because, you know, we, first of all, I really want to relate and say, look, it's shit. Like this yeah. shit that happens is we, let's call it what it let's is. Let's call it what it is. It let's is call shit. It what it is. Yes. yes. But it's painful. Also a du- it, it's also a double entendre. And that is shit is quite literally fertilizer. Right. And it's in the shit. It's by claiming our shit and exploring it that we find the gifts that we need to bring right. into our greatness. That's, and a, that's an awesome metaphor because it's true. It, you know? Yeah. It is true. And if you go back, but I think one of the things that in our society, particularly for women, we tend to hide the bad stuff. Mm. And particularly. Especially like, now. Right. Yeah, and so yeah, the Instagram world. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I, I, w- I had the, last week. I talked about this. Like, you've got two straw, narrow focused lenses, right? You've got media that, if you look at just news, everything's horrible. It's murder. It's death. It's war, right? That's straw number one. Straw number two is on social media, and everything is awesome. And I've got airplanes and bikini girls and muscle bound dudes, right? It's just like, everything's awesome or murder, right? Yeah. No, that's honestly, that's so true. I know. Yeah. 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 So it's great that you and I get to tell people, no, no, you're, no, no. It's, it's a little bit of both, right? Life is messy. Life is is messy messy and it's not all good and it's not all bad. But it's what but, you do with what you've been given and how you perceive right. it. That's yeah, totally. The key. Yes. And so you can use your past. Uh, yes. Shit included. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so my my story, the reason I wrote the book was to help people understand how I, I guess what I wanted to do was with COVID, I saw people respond to this universal trauma mm. very differently. Everyone right. sort of had a different response, but you could kind of group them together okay. and say there are people who just wanted to roll around in it and say how awful it was and get wasted and sure. and, 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 and eat to the ends of the earth. You know? I, I spent some and, time and, there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> and I think that's fair, right? I, I but, think we all spent some time there. It was like we were yeah. grieving the loss of the old world. I agree. I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, and yeah. grieving is important. But right. there's also the reason that I kind of went through the grieving process pretty quickly is because I got to the other side is because I understood that, well, I'd already been through so much and this was just something else. I had right. that emotional resilience. that Yes. Grit. And I, because I'd been through all of that and had learned to 
view these life experiences differently right? and understood that how I viewed it was going to determine the outcome. Mm. I, I saw this as looking at history. This was like with the great depression where, you know, all these yeah. fortune 500 companies were founded during the great depression. I saw COVID as an opportunity for, for growth and right. new things to happen for innovation. Mm. So I, my perspective went to, wow, what great things are going to come from this? What an amazing opportunity. <laughs> what an amazing opportunity. And then lockdown, which was so hard for so mm. many people, I realized, or I looked at it as a forced sabbatical, mm-hmm. a sudden opportunity to do some things that maybe I'd always wanted to do, but never had the time. Mm-hmm. And we- so, Go yeah. ahead. No, yeah. So I wrote a book. I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. That's that, that. Yeah, at least you got something done. <laughs> absolutely. But so every time life gives us these, tosses us these bombs, you know, it's what we do with them and 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 how we perceive them that makes the difference. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like one of my things was uh, I kept saying like, would this matter? Whatever this is, right? Like, um, maybe my hair looks stupid, right? Would that matter if there was a global pandemic? Oh, right, there is one. <laughs> <laughs> Right. If you keep asking yourself that, right, then you realize like what you wear to work doesn't really matter. (laughs) What you do for a job doesn't really matter. What other people think doesn't really really matter. matter. No. Wow. Isn't that the truth, though? I mean. Right. Right. And how quickly we forget. I mean, already COVID's just behind us a couple, you know, a year, basically. Right. Right. Not even. And people are already forgetting Totally. You know, yeah. 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 The thing is, is like, I think people are accustomed to seeing shit in their life. But I think one of the key lessons in something that I mentioned, like as we were pre-chatting is somebody told me uh, you have to go through it when I was relatively young. Right. And you don't stop avoiding it. Right. Stop avoiding your past. Stop avoiding things you don't like about you, right? Go yeah. through it. <laughs> Somehow well, get through it, the shit, yes. But even more than that, I mean, one mm. of the things that I came to realize um, after I was raped, I read this book called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Okay. And in that book, um, so Gavin DeBecker, just to kind of give people some background, he uh, formed this company that advises presidents, celebrities, CEOs, VIPs on the, how to predict violence. So if, if they're getting all these threat letters, he does threat assessment. Okay. And he came up with the idea for this company because of his childhood. He had a mother, he tells stories in this book, the gift of fear. He had a mother who actually tried to shoot his stepfather on numerous occasions. Wow. And so he learned to be able to predict if she was actually going to do it or not. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so that's pretty he, good. Uh, that's pretty good skill. Right. And so <laughs> wow. and all, all the, Scary, the traumas but... he went through as a child, he, instead of pretending, oh, my life's good, you know, my family's perfect, this stuff isn't happening. Right. He, he claimed those experiences and actually used that 
life experience to propel him to great success. Mm, right. And right. so if you can use that example and go back and say, okay, with this horrible thing that happened to me, how can I use that as opposed to having it be a tap that drains me? Mm, right. How can I use that as a launching pad to propel me forward? Yeah. Like a source so, of strength. Yes. Yeah, so how can yeah. I claim that? And people say to me like, well, how can you do that with rape, Carrie? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I didn't talk about it for six years. I was told not to talk about it. So oh. it was it, what it, while I wasn't talking about it, it was draining me. Mm. And it wasn't until I did the work and went through therapy and all of that, that, that things improved. But what I came to realize as I went back and really reexamined it and claimed it was people have always told me that I had a quiet confidence. Okay. That I would walk into a room and that I would have presence. Okay. And I think the reason for that is because when you have survived something so horrific, mm-hmm. you do have sort of own your own space because you walk into the world like, I got this. I've already been through something so shitty and horrific. Right. This is nothing. Yes. And so yeah. that, I've said that so many times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that, yeah. Yeah. so that, Emotional resilience, I think, really, I mean, it started in childhood, but really strengthened through that life experience. And clawing my way out of it and getting to the other side, I came to realize how strong I was. And using that to propel me forward was really an important thing for me. That's amazing. Yeah, I I tell my story about um, one of my three suicide attempts was uh, eating rat poison. So it didn't work out, but because I had a security clearance and I was in the air force the day after I had rat poison in ice cream, I, uh, I went to work. (laughs) That is the craziest story I've ever heard. I think. Well, um, if you could imagine going through a day at work after having rat poison for dinner, um, it's not, it's not the best day of work, but <laughs> at the end of that day of work, I didn't want to kill myself anymore. Wow. Right. Because I was like, well, for fuck's sake, I just survived rat poison. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, right. I mean, yeah. I, and now granted I wasn't, it's not like I had an epiphany and I was mentally healthy at that moment. But what it did was it turned down the volume of all the bullshit that I thought was important. There you go. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Suddenly, I just survived something that could have killed me. Yeah. And and that was really dumb, you know, right? I mean, but depression is depression, right? So I, 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 like I said, I didn't, I wasn't well yet, but I, I had achieved fuck it status, right? <laughs> well, there's some power in that. Status, there is a, right? there's a whole lot of power in fuck it. It's yeah. like everything else is just a lot. That's when you, that's where that, the power of the shit comes in. It's yeah. like level one shit power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah, that's <clears throat> yeah. true. So let's get into these, uh, you were married twice and it didn't work out. Yes. So talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about like you went to college, right? And then you did law school? 
Yeah, I went to Tulane Law School. Right. And then you were a lawyer for a while. So where did the, give us the timeline a little bit maybe, or some highlights of marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, and how that played out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the first marriage happened right after law, well, actually technically while I was still in law school. Okay. Um, It's a great story. So I guess I'll share. It's, It's a really good one. So, um, when I was in law school, yeah, (laughs) this is like, you can't make this stuff up. No, 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 no. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. So when I was in law school, um, I had a friend come down to visit me from New York and I went into the French quarter, which was something we didn't really normally do as students. We stayed in our uptown area. Okay. I went into the French quarter, um, this doorman at this bar on Bourbon street, um, turns out he was the manager. He was completely taken with me and pursued me to the ends of the earth. And wow. I was I was not interested in dating a bar manager on Bourbon Street. But <laughs> I, I was so hungry because my parents had uh, screwed me over. It's a whole other story. But mm, um, I yeah. was suddenly needing student loans and I had could only get credit-based loans. And mm didn't have enough money, was working, et cetera, but I literally didn't have enough and you're, food. And you're in law school now? I'm in law school. I, I literally didn't have enough food to eat. Um, gotcha. And so he would take me for these extravagant dinners, and he really did get to my heart through my stomach. So <laughs> I, you know, I didn't right. think that could happen, but it sure. did. Gotcha. But so what happened is um, during my third year of law school, uh, I during finals of my third year of law school, I developed this um, thing where I was having all this fluid pouring out of one of my ears. And okay. yeah, and it wasn't just a little bit. It was like by the cup full. Wow. And so I went to the emergency room and yeah, that's they scary. strapped me to um, a table and injected me, put, did a, uh, injected into my spinal Yikes. Top, whatever. Yeah. yeah they yeah. injected co- con- contrast dye in and they tipped, tipped me upside down to see if the contrast dye would be visible coming out my ear. They were trying to determine if it was a spinal fluid leak or if it was something else. So that's why they did this test. But what happened was- That sounds they, awful, by the way. Yeah. What happened was when they injected <laughs> yeah. the contrast dye is they actually um, hit my spinal cord. So I was in the hospital for five days getting shot up with Demerol every four hours. So I was in excruciating pain because when you have that happen, I mean, the pain is just through the roof. Yeah. 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 So I'm in the hospital out of it because I'm on Demerol getting shot up with Demerol and my father's a doctor. Right. So Mm. I said to, um, Bo, who was the guy I was dating at the time, I said, look, would you mind getting my dad on the phone? I would love for him to talk to the doctor. So maybe we can figure out what's going on here. And so he calls my dad and he says, your dad wants to talk to you. And he hands me the phone, which I put to my good ear. And um, my father says to me, we just want to let you know that we're not paying for this. That was his first thing out of his mouth. No, that was the only thing out of his mouth. Wow. And then he was gone. So my father... Just abandoned you, basically. Total. I, oh. I mean, total yeah. abandonment. And, I mean, they didn't send flowers. Not even a they, card. Not a card. Wow. Not a get well soon. Yikes. Not a visit. 
The Christians who are supposed to biblically go visit people in the hospital? Wow. Yeah. No. And so what I got was total abandonment. And I refer to that moment as a light switch moment where there's a before and an after. Mm. And for years I was trying to please please them. Please my parents. Even though you didn't like them. (laughs) No, but it's ingrained in children, right? Of course. Yes. You want it. You're seeking approval. Yes. Exactly. And it was in that moment that it just was like, I was. He's not worthy, basically. Is that? No. Yeah. He's not. He's not. Yeah. So this guy I was dating, Bo, he took advantage of the moment. And literally the day when I checked out of the hospital, I mean, I couldn't even stand up straight. I was walking bent over and he said, you look like you're one generation out of the jungle. He took me straight to the justice of the peace and we got married. And I got to tell you, I don't remember. All I remember is some dirty carpet and some wood panel. I don't remember anything else about that experience. Wow. Yeah. You were coerced so, into getting married. I was. And under Demerol. Yikes. Under Demerol. But the punchline of this is, I mean, I, I was kind of like, well, I don't have anybody else. He right. wants to take care right, of right, me. So right. why not? So, right, right, right. Um, we so basically actually, at that moment, you just replaced your father with another father. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> symbolically, um, metaphorically. Symbolically, but, yes. but I guess really appropriately, another guy that couldn't support me. Or wouldn't support, or wouldn't because, support you. Right. Sort of because, like, sort of like holds it out like a, like, like, okay, if you obey, maybe. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so obviously that marriage was doomed and sure. did, didn't last long. And it was really just a train wreck from beginning to end. So is this before or after the rape? Just so we can get things in the timeline. Right. This is, so the rape happened in college. Okay. So this happened in law school. At Washington State. Gotcha. And then I transferred to the University of Texas. Right. And then I went to Tulane Law School. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So this this is in law school, the last. Yep. Yep. The last. Yeah. So so we were married for, I guess, about two years and then um, got divorced. And I met my second husband um, about six months after I was divorced from the first one. Mm. But we dated for three years before okay. we got married. Okay, good. So, good. And then we were together for 10 and okay. have two beautiful children. Okay. So, so that was um, not so bad. <laughs> not all it, bad. Not all bad. Not yeah. all bad. So, but what happened with that is that life throws you curveballs. And that is. Right. We started out having this wonderful marriage and it was good in the beginning. But. Um, his father passed away mm-hmm. and then because his father passed away, he said, you know what, maybe I do really want to have kids. And so I got pregnant immediately. And after, um, when I was about to have the baby, his mother, um, was going to come down and help. And she and I were super close Okay. and she ended up having to go in for a heart valve replacement and it went horrifically wrong. And so Instead of her coming down to help, um, nine days after my first son was born, she passed away. Okay. So my husband had lost both of his parents in less than a year. That's tough. And now we have this newborn son. Mm. And there were just so many different things that happened. Um, So it just, 
it steamrolled from there. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of that's the highlights, but <laughs> right. So, I mean, he <clears throat> was, he was not emotional. I mean, he lost both his parents and mm-hmm. he grieving emotion- is hard. Yeah. 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 And we just had a number of other things that happened that kind of snowballed and he just never, you know, I'm a glass half full girl and he's a glass half empty guy. Gotcha. And he just, he just kind of felt like he'd been fucked. Mm. Excuse my language, but <laughs> f bombs are awesome. Uh, all f bombs are allowed. It's good. Yeah, he, but he felt he did, and okay. he just he couldn't get past that. Mm. And so, as much as I tried to help him get through that, I, I really began to see how it impacted my children. Right, and there were just some really negative things happening, mm. and so um, at that point, you have to look out for the kids and you too. Yeah, I honestly, I was dying at that point. I mean, emotionally withering because he was so consumed with his situation. There was nothing available to put into the marriage. Right. And so, I I mean, I was as somebody that needed that love and support because I never had it from my own family. Right. The little that he had been able to give, he no longer was able to. And Mm. so I just literally was, I mean, I, I, it wasn't a good situation, but. Yeah, he had to get out. Yeah. Okay. Well, there yeah. you go. So, well, yeah. thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. I could tell but, it's, it's not easy. I get no, it. Well, one of the positives of that, though, is, is, sure. is one of my friends said to me during that process, she said, you know, Carrie, with adversity comes opportunity. Right. And this is the first time I remember having that conversation. So it's really was a pivotal, it was like a veer. It was sure. a pivotal moment for me. Of course. And I came to realize that if I was to continue to focus on everything that I had lost, meaning, you know, property, big house, you know, all of those things. Right. And, uh, you know, my marriage. Sure. um, If I focused on that, I was never going to get out of this spot I was in. But if I instead shifted my gaze to everything that I had gained, which was a clean slate, Mm. an opportunity to really not ever worry about pleasing anyone ever again, like. I, I right. also, I had fallen into the role I had with my father of always trying to please him. So yep. I had lost myself. I didn't even know like what restaurants I liked or what music <laughs> I liked to listen to. I didn't know. I, I, I basically I, I, had yeah. lost my identity because, totally. yes. and I had given it up so easily because that's what I had been taught to do. Mm. Right. So that self-discovery and creating our own life, my own life for myself was really a gift. Mm. And so by shifting my gaze from what I had lost to what I had gained, it really transformed me. And it, it transformed me going forward because every time I had I hit a speed bump from there on, I began to immediately look for the opportunity in it. Mm. That's great. And that, yes. that can get you through that grieving process that much faster and get you to the other side. <clears throat> and get you through like, yeah, again, it, it, it powers you up. Yeah. <laughs> again, one more yeah. again. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I, when you said that, like it really hit home for me that because I grew up the people pleaser too. So I, I totally know what that means. Um, just recently, like started saying no to stupid shit at work <laughs> and it's awesome. You know, it's like one of these things where once you've done it a couple of times, you kind of almost have to, I have to come back now and and start being nice again (laughs) because it was just so empowering. You know, like the first time it was something about like really stupid where like one of the bosses said something and I just said, no. 
And they're like, and I'm like, you know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to do that. What are you going to do? Yeah. And they're not going to fire me because I'm awesome. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So that I took away their power just by saying one word. No, no, I'm not doing that. You know, and I have to say the first couple of times I did that, I thought, you mean I could have been doing this all along? <laughs> right, right. Then you want to do it more and more. I know, I know. Now I'm feeling like I, like I said, I, I need to start. Like, you know, ha- have you ever talked to people in recovery? You know, and they're yes. super raw, and they just have like no filter, right? Yes. I think yeah. I'm going through that no filter phase where I have to like rebuild filters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, you I- right? Yes. Because well, you have to put the social niceties back, you know? You do. Yeah, yeah. You do, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, hey, Carrie, this has been so fun. We're getting close to the hour mark, so we should start wrapping up. You should come back. I want to get more details and more uh, awesome stories from Carrie. You're awesome. Awesome. And Thank us you. Smiths have to keep stay, stick together. We do, yeah. <laughs> There's so few of us. There's so few of us. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, talk a little bit about how people can get in touch with you, find the book, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So all of my social media is at Carrington ATX, which stands for Austin, Texas. Lovely. Love it. Yes. Yes. So you can find me on all, you know, Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Um, And my uh, personal website is Carrington-Smith.com. Right, And then, of course, you can find the book on Amazon, but it's also on Audible, and you'll hear me talk. Oh, wow. You said you told the story yourself. I did. That yeah. might be an Audible book I want to get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like your voice, so that would Thank be... Thank uh, Was that a lot of work? Was that hard? You know, they they have it down to a science, and I recorded it in three days. Oh, that's not bad. And Yeah, but... Um, okay. And you, do it, you did know, it at home? No, no, oh, I flew okay. out to LA. There's oh, you did it in like in a booth? Yeah. Okay, that's not so um, bad. Yeah, but it, Three it days. emotionally, you when you tell your story and when I read the book out loud, mm. you do you relive, relive it. it. Yeah. Yeah, and so Ouch. it was emotionally draining, yeah. I bet. But it makes for a better book. 100%, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot. There like are, if you had paid somebody to read it, it wouldn't have the impact. Well, there's definitely, it's interesting just by using pauses and hearing the emotion in my voice. It, right. it does in my I bet mind you you're catching, you're hitching, you know, it's like you're reliving it in the moment. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Congratulations. You're awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with me and sharing your pretty scary shit. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you. And uh, you have a great day. Awesome. You too. All right. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.